0: Welcome to the Newsbusters podcast with your host, executive editor of Newsbusters, Tim Graham. Hello and welcome to the end of the week and the beginning of the World Series. It's the Texas Rangers hosting the Arizona Diamondbacks Friday night. I received a tip early this morning that the 5 a.m. top of the hour NPR newscast Mentioned the game, but not who was throwing out the first pitch. Former President George W. Bush. Huh. So during my commute, I also heard the 9 a.m. newscast. And this time, they turned to a public radio correspondent for Phoenix, who gave all the sports details about the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, but also left out W. We all know... Just as the tipster said, if the first pitch was thrown out by a Democrat like Barack Obama, it would not be skipped over by NPR News. At least NPR wasn't like NBC, oozing all over Michelle Obama's new audiobook narration of Maurice Sendak's classic children's book, Where the Wild Things Are. They were gushing all over that on the Today Show the other day, so I went looking to see, oh, has NPR been covering Michelle Obama? Well, not this particular story. But if Obama was throwing out the first pitch, let's guess, NPR would probably do an extended five-minute segment. Maybe they would turn to Ken Burns to bring gush and poetry to the historic moment. But look, my boy Ben quickly pointed out George W. Bush threw out one of the most famous ceremonial first pitches at Yankee Stadium right after 9-11. And it was a zinger. It's also newsworthy in that Bush was uh, once an owner of the Texas Rangers. Even though Bush is now somewhat revered as the pre-Trump Republican Party, back when they were not evil, NPR is still too full of move on.org lefties to really want to include Bush. Now, let's remember, people marched around with masks that had George W. Bush's face and a Hitler mustache. So it doesn't matter how you know what the what the mega crowd would all call rhinos. It doesn't matter how moderate a Republican you were if you were a moderate, You know, you had to be hated, especially while you're in office or when you're running for office. John McCain was media-favored up until he was up against Barack Obama. Then suddenly he was a temperamental psycho. Uh, We wanted to focus this week on the public broadcasting service and specifically the PBS NewsHour. I, I was a little upset on Wednesday when their White House correspondent, Laura Barone Lopez, was asking questions, it was a two and two. Barone Lopez said to Biden, House Republicans just elected Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the Speaker of the House, and it just had to be bad.
1: If I may, I have a breaking news question and then an Israel one. First, uh, after 22 days, House Republicans just elected Mike Johnson of Louisiana as the Speaker of the House. Johnson advocated conspiracy theories about voting machines in a rigged election in 2020. He encouraged his colleagues to join a lawsuit to invalidate the results of four states. So if you win re-election in 2024, are you worried that a Speaker Johnson would again attempt to overturn the election?
0: So they're all saying Biden, if you win again, and they think he's going to win again, you know, part of their whole nightmare scenario here, there's two nightmare scenarios. There is Trump wins. That's the serious nightmare scenario for them. And then there's B, Trump loses and won't acknowledge defeat again. Uh, And then, yeah, so they're trying to, this is called pre-demonizing the Republicans for the 2024 race. They're going to suggest the Republicans are against democracy, so you're only really for democracy if you vote for the Democrats. Isn't that nice, the way that they tend to do that? Well, then uh, Laura Barone Lopez was retweeting that uh, Hakeem Jeffries put out a statement saying, Mike Johnson, probably more so than almost any other member of the House Republican Conference, wants to criminalize abortion care and propose a nationwide ban. You know, they're all able to say, let's retweet or retweet statements by Hakeem Jeffries, because that's what we do. Uh, On the PBS NewsHour, anchor Jeff Bennett was pressing Congresswoman Marionette Miller Meeks, 3M of Iowa. Bennett said, Mike Johnson is more genial than Jim Jordan, but he's no less a hardliner. He is on the far right of the spectrum when it comes to issues like reproductive rights, same-sex marriage. Now, look, this is the same Jeff Bennett, who on October 12 put on Hakeem Jeffries. Now, he wouldn't say, gee, uh, uh, Mr. Jeffries, you're a genial guy, but you're on the far left of the spectrum when it comes to abortion. They're not going to do that. The Democrats take the exact opposite position of the Republicans, and the Republicans are extreme, and somehow the Democrats are sensible. All that tells you is we have a media that thinks that abortion in the ninth month is generally a social good. It may be rare, but they're certainly in favor of it if that's what the woman wants. They get very touchy about this, just like when you said they favor abortion after birth. Oh, we don't do that. But in reality, yes, you have the Ralph Northams of the world saying, well, we'd make the baby comfortable and let the mother decide if she wants to keep him or whether we're going to let him die. Anyway, on October 12, let's go through the questions Jeff Bennett failed to ask Hakeem Jeffries that were relevant questions. No question about Congressman Jamal Bowman pulling a fire alarm to delay a shutdown bill and claiming he was trying to open the door. That's embarrassing. That's a House Democrat, so we're not going to ask about it. No question about Senator Robert Menendez of New Jersey being indicted for being a foreign agent and having a bunch of gold bars in a closet. That's about the Democrats. It's embarrassing. So Hakeem Jeffries isn't going to be asked about that. No question about the House Democrats having people who have sided with Hamas over Israel including Rashida Tlaib, who refused to denounce Hamas under questioning from a Fox reporter, as well as Ilhan Omar, who said Israel hypnotized the world, and Pramila Jayapal, who called Israel a racist state and then tried to walk it back. In all of these cases, Hakeem Jeffries doesn't get a question. And then Hakeem Jeffries gets no question about whether the Biden administration's pandering to Iran, which deeply supports Hamas, could be blamed as enabling what Hamas did to innocent civilians in Israel. Instead, Bennett began with two questions to Jeffries about how the House Republicans are undermining America's foreign policy. Then when they discussed the speaker race back on October 12. Bennett played up a possible Speaker Jeffries. When you talk about this bipartisan path, are you talking about the fact that you would only need five House Republicans to join with the 212 Democrats and elect you House Speaker? Yeah. So, Hakeem Jeffries, every time he's turned up on the PBS NewsHour, he gets the softballs. If Mike Johnson turned up on the PBS NewsHour, I think we can predict to you It would be the hardballs. It's just that simple. Back to Laura Barone-Lopez in action at the Biden press conference. She also asked this to the president.
1: If I may very quickly, in the 18 days since Hamas Hamas killed 1,400 Israelis, the Hamas-controlled Gaza Health Ministry says Israeli forces have killed over 6,000 Palestinians, including 2,700 children. You've previously asked Netanyahu to minimize civilian casualties. Do these numbers say to you that he is ignoring that message?
0: What they say to me is I have no notion that the Palestinians are telling the truth about how many people are killed, but I have no confidence in the number that the Palestinians are using. Now, I like that Biden came back and said, I don't trust Hamas. I have no confidence in Hamas. They don't like that answer. You know, here we have the president of the United States and and John Kirby as spokesman saying you cannot trust numbers from a terrorist group. And there's Kirby politely explaining when Hamas said that an Israeli airstrike hit a hospital and it turned out not to be true. That would tell you Hamas is not a reliable source for data. For her part, Laura Barone Lopez just went on Twitter and said this answer demonstrated Netanyahu is ignoring Biden's message to minimize civilian casualties. She learned Nothing. Well, and it's the, it's, this is the par for the course of PBS NewsHour. On Thursday, the PBS NewsHour Twitter account, which is still tweeting, NPR walked away in a huff. PBS NewsHour tweet, The Gaza Health Ministry released 200-plus pages listing those killed since Israel began its retaliatory air campaign for the October 7th attacks. It shows more than 7,000 dead with nearly 3,000 children. The UN warned Gaza is on a humanitarian precipice. That, my friends, is both sidesism. When PBS says they don't believe in both sidesism, what they really mean is we don't believe in both sidesism when it's Democrats and Republicans. We believe in both sidesism when it's Israel and the terrorists. So they somehow think this is a righteous thing, that the Gaza Health Ministry claims there's 3,000 children dead and they don't really need to know why or how they got to this number. PBS was not alone. NPR White House reporter Franco Ordonez was uh, battling with Kirby about the reliability of the Gaza Health Ministry. Well, the State Department's used their numbers. You know they 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 they're, they've gotten all upset that someone would suggest they're using an unreliable source. Come on, John Kirby, aren't we all friends? You, me, Hamas. So the PBS Newshour—it's been upsetting us a lot. Uh, the uh, uh, then it comes back to democracy and the stability of democracy. This just upset me. This happened on Tuesday. Amna Nawaz when they were beginning the PBS NewsHour they were taking over they did an interview with the Hollywood reporter and Amna Nawaz said you know we're we're taking over so something so trusted and credible because we we seek to add light and not heat this is false they throw a lot of heat they just don't throw any of it at the democrats for example Stuart Stevens former Mitt Romney campaign strategist. Oh, how did that work out, Stuart Stevens? Did you win? I don't think so. So now you're basically a Democrat. Now you're affiliated with the Lincoln Project, which was supposedly Republican, but anybody who's following it now knows they're just a pile of Democrats. So he has a new book basically saying the Republicans are the Nazis. Now, this is pretty easy to detect, The PBS NewsHour knew what it was doing when they brought this guy on. And they put the stuff on screen, the stuff he said. Including Stevens saying what happened within the Republican Party in 2016 was a repeat of the rise of national socialism in the 1920s and 1930s in Germany. They put these words on screen for everybody to love. Republicans, Nazis. Basically the same thing. This isn't even the post riot Trump era. This is the twenty sixteen election. And they're already we're already the Nazis. Where are the independent fact checkers? So let's just listen to this for a minute. So in your book, you lay out five driving forces on the right that you say are working in concert basically to end our democracy. You list them as propagandists, the support of a major party, financiers, legal theories to legitimize actions, and shock troops. But I want to begin with this idea of support of a major party, because you draw A pretty alarming comparison. In the book you write, what happened within the Republican Party in 2016 was a repeat of the rise of national socialism in the 1920s and 1930s in Germany. You're arguing that the Republican establishment's acceptance of Mr. Trump echoed the German establishment's acceptance of Hitler. What are the parallels you're talking about here? Yes, Stuart Stevens thinks the parallels are striking. Stuart Stevens is trying to please all of his... Fans out there at MSNBC, you know, you go to this book on Amazon and the first uh, blurb is from Nicole Wallace. And then there's a, a whole set of other anti-Trumpers, Tim Miller and David Frum and so on. So it to me, it's just maddening that they take our tax dollars at PBS and then they put on authors who say Republicans, the Nazis, pretty much the same thing. And here's what makes it worse. The next night, PBS turns to their Friday night pundit, David Brooks. Well, David Brooks has a new book. It's kind of a self-help book. It's about how to be seen and make others feel seen. David Brooks said, we just need to have the skill of seeing others, making them feel valid, respected, heard, and understood. And so we now live in bitter and divided times, there's just so much social pain. And this book is really an attempt to make us all better at seeing another person, making them feel seen, heard, and understood, because if our country is going to come back from the inhumanity, and if our families are going to come back from the breakdown, and if our workplaces are gonna thrive, we just have to be really good at this skill of seeing others, making them feel valid, respected, heard, and understood. Well, to your point, for all of the things that are causing division these days, we often don't talk enough about isolation, how it harms personal and societal health. How do you, how do you see it? Yeah, you know, there are a lot of reasons our society's in trouble. We have, we're being ripped to shreds from our political leadership. Social media is driving us all crazy. But the core thing to me is we just don't treat each other well. So is that what PBS is doing? We know how to make Republicans feel valid and respected and understood when we compare them to the Third Reich. They're not civility. They're not an oasis. They are PBS's MSNBC. This is the kind of thing that shows you there's no difference. Amna Nawaz, Jeff Bennett was with MSNBC, Amna Nawaz is a contributor to MSNBC. Yamiche Alcindor used to be at PBS and went to MSNBC, but was an MSNBC contributor. There's a big blur. Laura Barone Lopez goes on CNN. Uh, you know, it, it's all a blur. Speaking of your tax dollars at work, I did something on this. The state-funded Voice of America News Service, which presents news from america in about 48 languages well they are instructing their reporters to remain accurate and objective and not use the word terrorists to define hamas this does seem to also be pretty much the rule at pbs certainly was also the rule at the associated press let's not use the word terrorist it's too highly emotional So when you slaughter 140 people, we call you a militant. Does that make any sense? Also, your tax dollar is at work. Claywater says, NPR still holding out hope that Hamas's Israel-bombed-the-hospital story is real. Yes. Mary Louise Kelly can't quite decide who's to blame. She turned to a guy named Jeff Brumfield, who said, actually, uh, you know, the publicly available evidence is problematic for both versions of the story. Well, let's guess. Jeff Brumfield's also one of those geniuses who said, oh, uh, it's a hoax that uh, that COVID came out of a lab in China. Just the whole idea that it's like when it's taxpayer-funded television, it's more credible because it's public. This is, this is actually the polling conundrum, is that people, whether they're in America or in England or wherever, they have this tendency to assume that public broadcasting, because it somehow has no commercial influence, public broadcasting, that's really the gold standard. It doesn't matter whether you actually watch PBS and see it's a flaming pile of Democrat propaganda. You don't have to watch it. You just have to know. It's public, which means it's for the public, as opposed to commercial television, which is there for the commercials. And they're also pompous. You know, uh, we'd sometimes listen to this NPR podcast out of Santa Monica called Left, Right, and Center. We like to make fun of it because it's hosted by David Green, who's on the left, and then he has a Democrat who's on the left, And then he has a Republican, Sarah Isgur, who's on the right, kind of. Some days she's good, some days she's eh. Uh, But uh, this week's episode... Was, uh, had this promotional copy. The press serves as a pillar of democracy, and that role is under scrutiny after conflicting reports from the Israel-Hamas conflict, including a deadly hospital blast. And at a local level, massive declines in media have contributed to our political polarization. How can the public's trust and local journalism be rebuilt? Now, there's a real question there about local journalism. Local journalism is struggling. That's, to some extent, people, a consumer problem. I live in Washington. I've lived in northern Virginia for decades now. I'm still pretty bad at wanting to know what's going on in local news. You know, I'm interested in the state legislature and the governor, but in terms of, you know, you get it down to the county level or whatever, I'm just not very interested I think people mostly feel that democracy at the local level isn't somehow isn't as contentious, and the and the matters don't have as much weight. So, eh, you know, it's like this. It's like people who I'm not so public interested that I'm going to, you know, fight about how, what the recycling rules are. You know, everything seems smaller on a local level. Uh, but th- what gets me, of course, is the whole beginning about the press is a pillar of democracy freedom of the press is a pillar of democracy that doesn't just mean that this is the way npr is a pillar of democracy this is the first problem you have with public trust is you can't get over yourselves and how wonderful and important you are as opposed to the average american you should have some humility so when you screw up on who bombed a hospital in the gaza you should show some humility that would help rebuild trust, but understand that in a democracy, the conservative media is also democracy. These people will all say, "Well, the free press. Trump doesn't like the free press because he doesn't like PBS or something." Well, you people all hate Fox News. You all hate newsbanks You all hate the New York Post, the Washington Times, Washington Examiner. You know, run down the list. Newsbusters. Somehow, freedom of the press doesn't really extend to conservatives because they're all just propagandists. See, that's what we tend to say about you. At least when you're like, and now Hakeem Jeffries will come on and we'll shine his shoes and put some lotion on his face. Freedom of the press is important, but freedom of speech also includes our right to say the news media doesn't do such a great job of being fair and balanced and objective and, frankly, accurate. Get the hospital attacks right. Why don't you just, when when you're in a war zone, take some time and don't run to the first thing that Hamas tells you and present it as news. We all know that they're sitting in a war zone saying, well, I can't just come out and say, Uh, yeah, uh, Wolf, I don't really know what's going on yet. Maybe I'll have something two hours from now. This is one of the reasons they're going to use the Gaza numbers, because they want to sound like they know what's going on. So they'll accept it. Well, the Gaza Health Ministry, that sounds uh, authoritative. Yeah, that's why you're using it when you're basically taking a terrorist group's numbers. That does not make you reliable or trustworthy. So, if you want to know what's going on, you know where to come. You got to come to Newsbusters once, twice, 24 times a day. Thanks for listening.